Hello, Happy New Year. Wow, it's going off really well, isn't it? Let's try it again. So, okay, at the 9 a.m. gathering, uh, we said Happy New Year. And those guys are wild, okay? They really are. And uh, they shouted, and also with you. <laughs> so uh, the ringleader is a lady who had a 99th birthday last week. She's out of control. So, Happy New Year. So, okay, if we're going to commit, let's do it. Say, and also with you, yes. Happy New Year. And also with you. Gosh, we got there in the end. The 9am was straight away. They loved it. Okay, well, it's good. To, if you don't know me, my name's Tom. It's um, wonderful to be able to welcome you. Um, amazing, it was an amazing uh, testimony uh, from, from Luke and from Ben. Absolutely incredible. Um, and Clarissa, my wife, leaned over to me and said, wow, the 80s haircuts are really back, aren't they? <laughs> so I think she was talking about you, Luke. Can't have been talking about you. She wasn't talking about me, that's for sure. Um, and to say, we, I want to share something um, before we, we jump into the, today's talk. And we've got a guest speaker next week. You don't know who it is yet. Well, you can't, just calm down. And it's a guy called Richard Pollard. Boy, you're a lively crowd today. If you don't know Richard, uh, Richard was a student here back in the 1990s, I think, um, and married to Nikki. Uh, They have two children. Uh, Their eldest son is a very difficult child, (laughs) as uh, is Joel Pollard. Uh, wherever Joel is, just uh, been touring America, and now he's back. He's taken his northern, his northern vibes on, on into America. They love him. Uh, so they've got two lovely children, and Richard was Baptist minister here from 2005, I think, to 2007. Uh, Joel doesn't know. Uh, okay, that's why I can say what I like, really, if, it's, if we don't know, do we? And Richard has been a Baptist minister in Leeds and in Bristol, and now is on the team of a large church in Bristol called Woodlands, and is working with a local uh, Baptist region in the west of England to pioneer a church plant. And so um, he has been in conversations with some members of our Baptist uh, community. So we are an Anglican church. And we're a Baptist church. And um, the way that Baptist ministers are chosen is very, very different to the way that Anglican vicars are appointed. And you are going to get an email this week that is going to change your life because it is going to go into a lot of detail about Baptist church governance. Alan Lamb whispered to me earlier he cannot wait for this because... (laughs) He thinks he's going to just add extra zeal to his passion for evangelism. But um, essentially what happens is, is a Baptist minister who is in conversations with a church about potentially coming, comes with what is called a preach with a view. And they do another kind of thing in the Baptist church is called preach with a peep, which sounds very odd in the current climate, I have to say. But... Let's park that there because we're live on uh, YouTube. Um, So Richard is coming. He is in the process of discerning with his wife, Nikki, and their family uh, whether God is calling him to our church. And part of the way of testing that call is coming here next week to speak. And the Baptist members of our church um, are also discerning whether he's right to come. So next week, I would love it if when he's here, you, you know when you guys are happy on the inside? But it doesn't come out in your face. I'd love, you know, 
I'd love you to do more of that. If he makes a joke, please don't laugh. <laughs> please don't laugh at all. Um, if you have any deep theological questions, uh, please, uh, very aggressively at the end, question him. <laughs> that, that, that would give it, I'm, 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 I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. So, so um, uh, make, make him at home, and will you pray this week um, as, as we pray all of us praise the church family just for the next season of our church's life and whether the Lord is indeed calling um, Richard and Nikki. And somebody at the 9am gathering caught me afterwards was very concerned and said, but what about Joel Pollard? Because he's on our team. And I said, have you not watched Gladiators? It's a father and son team presenting it now. <laughs> uh, and funnily enough, they hadn't, so that didn't work. But there you go. <laughs> so folks, we're, we're jumping into the book of Acts. We're asking... We're beginning to think, we're particularly in the next couple of weeks, looking at the church in Jerusalem, the first church, and we're looking at um, what it means to be on earth as in heaven. What does it look like for that to, that to happen um, in the city of Jerusalem, that, that, that heaven breaks in as the church kind of is birthed, and we're asking those kind of questions. What can we learn from that in 2024 Sheffield? What is it the Lord, in our vision series in November, we said for such a time as this, uh, we've journeyed through Christmas, we're into New Year, and just saying, Lord, what is it, Lord, that, that you might be saying to us now in 2024, what does it mean on earth as in heaven, a phrase that has been buzzing around my mind, and we're going to jump straight in. If you've got a Bible, um, I'm going to read the first 11 verses, and then I'm going to jump to... Verse 14, I'm going to share a story, um, a, a reflection, and what I think there are key bits of this first chapter, well, half, first half of this chap, first chapter of Acts, what that might mean to us for today. So this is it. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he was eating with them. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me talk about, for John baptised with water. In a few days, you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Just listen to these words. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. I'm just going to jump to verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, 
along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. Wonderful. On Friday morning, um, I decided to go for a run, and it's something I've did quite a bit, started in lockdown, and then for a variety of reasons over the last couple of months, I've got out of the practice. And um, when you restart, it's like, oh, this is a nightmare. So if any excuse not to go, I've seen it as a sign of the Lord that he doesn't want me to go for a run. And I, dis- I needed to, to walk. We've, we've got two dogs. It was a buy one, get one free deal. So we went for a second. And I said to my wife, well, I said, why, do, why, don't, I, why don't I take them out running with me? Because that seemed like a good idea. So put them in the car, drove up to Red Myers, which if you're not familiar with Sheffield, is a, is a beautiful place. It's about literally a 10-minute drive from here. Some lovely reservoirs in the edge of the Peak Districts. And so that it was very cold. There I am. I get the, the dogs out. I'm in my running stuff. And even they look surprised. Do you know what I mean? A man in Lycra is never good. Even, even Labradors can see that. You know what I mean? And so we're... we're we're off and um, um, we're running and I stopped because it's very muddy, hadn't quite thought that part through. And I, and I went to get my phone and I thought, oh no, I've left my phone back at home. And I, and I, and I was kind of kicking myself really because I thought this would be a great photograph moment. Do you know what I mean? Selfie, me a bit muddy, dogs even muddier. Put it on Strava. Actually, I don't use Strava at the minute because I'm so terrible. I don't want people to see. I'm, I've told you now. It's all out there. And I thought this would be amazing. And I thought, I can't. I've got, I haven't got my phone. Because I like, you know, I try and end up taking photos of, of everything. That's, that's kind of, I guess, part of the generation I am really. I mean, my mom is horrified, absolutely mortified that people take photos and then put them on the internet, on that face tube. You're going to take that picture. Don't take that picture of me. Put it on FaceTube. Do you know what I mean? The Russians will see me. No, they're not. They're not, they're not worried about a pensioner in the West Midlands. They're really not. They're not worried about That says, you know, like, take photos of everything. And, the, and if you get a really nice photo, you may print it out. You might put it in a frame. You might put it on your mantelpiece. And bizarrely, this, this, the fact that I hadn't got my phone and the fact that I couldn't take a photo, I began, my mind works in weird ways, as you probably noticed by now. But I just thought, it's interesting because publicly, I always put like a nice picture on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, I don't know why, but I just do. Uh, I guess we all do. But if I'm honest, what can happen is, in my internal world, the less pleasant, the more unpleasant things that happen or things that have happened... I can almost imagine, I, I kind of put them in a picture, I put them in a frame, and I almost stick them on the mantelpiece. And the reason that I say that is because over New Year, I was, for the first time ever, I was delighted that 2023 was gone. I usually get a bit depressive at New Year. I'm a fairly melancholy person anyway, but I just couldn't see the glad to see the back of 23. My dad died, there was other stuff happening, it was just, I can't, it was good stuff too, but I just, I'm just glad to see 2023 go. And I was walking my dogs, this time I wasn't running, and I was listening to a talk, and it was a talk about bitterness, cheery talk for New Year. And I sensed what I can understand, I think that the Holy Spirit saying to me, your heart is bitter. I thought, well, Lord, I really would prefer to hear a call to California, actually, because it's really wet. 
and it never rains there. And again, I just thought, your heart is getting bitter. And I thought about it for a while, and I thought, it probably is. It definitely is. And what has happened is, there's been a number of moments, I think, where people had either said stuff or stuff had happened, and I'd, I'd, I'd printed them out, these pictures, and I'd got a nice frame, you know, well, not that nice, cheap ones from Ikea, you know, and I'd put them on the mantelpiece. What was happening is every day I was analysing, going over and over and over and over, the same conversations over and over, and the photo was getting bigger, and the frame was getting larger and larger and larger and larger. Like some, something happened to you, a pain, a hurt, or a heartbreak, or some things, a disappointment, a deep disappointment. And it's like it's a photograph of a moment that you've, and maybe like me, it's been framed and you're looking at it all the time. It can't go away. And as I was on this, um, just this patch of grass just down the road from here now with my dogs, there was a deep invitation almost from the Holy Spirit to say, do you want to be free? Do you want to be free? And so I felt the Lord begin to say, I want you to pray blessing on the people in the frame. We were gritted teeth. I did. And I'm tempted to go back and do the analysis again and, oh, look at that picture there. But it's like this time it's, as you play, pray blessing and life and walk in the opposite spirit, the picture gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And I don't know today as we start 2024, if one is... Uh, what are those images that in our internal world? I'm not talking about the pictures you put on Facebook. I mean, I take 20 pictures, I pick the best one, put a filter on it, put it on there. I'm talking about the ones that no one else sees, but in your heart, you frame them. Because I want to take the book, the first few verses of Acts, and I want to take them in reverse, because what we find incredibly is that they're in... In verse 10, we see that, that Jesus ascends into heaven. We know that Acts is written by Luke. It's often known as the Acts of the Apostles, but actually what theologians tell us, it actually should be renamed the Acts of Jesus. And so what, what is happening for 40 days since the resurrection, Jesus has been appear, appearing with and teaching his disciples, the resurrected Jesus. So that is Jesus, who is fully resurrected, yet has scars on his body, to, to the permanent reminder which he still has in his body, in glory, at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. Like he knows our name. Just, just hold that thought for a moment. That Jesus Christ knows your name. And, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding, praying for us as a church and for us as individuals. He, that's his, his kind of what is known as his high priestly function. And so as he's spending time with the disciples, there is a time come where he's going to leave them and in this moment he descends, to, he ascends, sorry, to heaven in, surrounded by a cloud. It must have been, I mean, if you like taking photos, I mean, that is right there and then. That must have been a phenomenal moment, mustn't it? 
and, and, and it's, it's surrounded by a cloud. Okay, so, so what on earth does that mean? Well, that has particular, anything in Scripture often has images and pictures which point to other parts of Scriptures, which it weaves together to point to this moment, the supreme person, Jesus Christ, who speaks the whole thing into being, is now surrounded by a cloud of the presence of God, the same cloud that appears in different places throughout the Old Testament, which points to God. So the, the followers of Jesus are, are looking up as this dramatic thing is unhappening. And it is Jesus clearly saying, as he's walked into hum, as he's gone into Jerusalem in humility on a donkey on Palm Sunday, he's now ascending into glory as the one who is all-powerful. It is this incredible moment. So the first image is one of the cloud. And then the second are these two men that we are told are dressed in white. And they say this, men of Galilee, they say, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. John Stott, who is an amazing uh, church leader and theologian, when writing about the book of Acts, says this is a moment that we can all learn from. Because this is the moment where the angels, remember the angelic, um, it, throughout Luke's gospel, when the announcement of the birth of Jesus, it's angels. When Jesus is in Gethsemane, it's the, and there's angels. And now as a Jesus ascends into heaven to, to mark his divinity, is the presence of angels. And what they say is this, don't stand looking at what you've lost. Don't stay in a moment staring, craning your neck. I was thinking about that. I was reflecting on it quite a lot, thinking, okay, the, the, the latter half of Luke's gospel says the disciples return in joy. But what would that have been like? Because Jerusalem was pretty intense. It was not an easy, it's not like, hey, let's go, let's chill out. It's, 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 there's serious principalities and powers. And Jesus is going. It must have been terrifying. And the temptation is to stay and look in nostalgia at what was, will it ever be the same? What's going to happen now? Is he going to come back? How's he going to do it? What do we, what do, what do, we do now? And there's, this, uh, and there's earlier, it, when, when Jesus is gathered with his disciples, what they say is that he begins to talk about what will follow is Pentecost, the outpouring of the Spirit. Why is that significant? Okay. The people of God wandered the desert for 40 years. Jesus spends 40 days in a desert. He spent 40 days now with his followers saying that the Spirit of God will come. At Jesus' baptism, something significant happens. The Father speaks over his Son, telling him before he does any public ministry that he's loved. And now 10 days, after the ascension happens, and then 10 days later, Pentecost, the Spirit is poured out. For 10 days, the people that God, Jesus' followers, wait for him, and they commit to prayer, seeking his face. Because as he ascends to he heaven, 
He is reminding them of his supreme authority, of the authority of Jesus. And he's saying that he's in his, when the Spirit falls, when the Spirit comes, it will be a baptism in the Holy Spirit. The song that Bethan chose for us, the first song, which is a new song, which is a shock, because it ain't from the 90s, folks. I was shocked. We're singing new stuff. Why, you know, what's going on? Whatever next. It sings about the power in the name of Jesus. When you and I are baptized into the Jesus, we are baptized into his name. We take the name of Jesus. Heather, you're baptized into the name of Jesus. Father, so the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whoever it is, whether it's a tiny baby or a grown-up. You see, in the name of Jesus, we are told that he's supreme power. Smith Wigglesworth, the crazy evangelist from Bradford, was said to be illiterate. He was a plumber. He turned the world upside down. His simple approach to ministry and to, 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 to healing and taking on principalities and powers was simply to speak the name of Jesus. And so what's happening here is Luke is describing a moment where, where, where the disciples go, don't, don't, don't photograph a moment of Jesus ascending. Because what he's saying is, is he's describing, you will be witnesses to me in the city and beyond. You are to bear witness to me. We've heard from Ben with his beautiful 80s haircut that, that, that we are to bear witness to the goodness of God. We are to bear witness to all that it is that he has done. And yet what is happening here is Luke is describing at the birth, actually just technically before the birth of the church, but as the people gather, he's saying that he now, has ascended into the highest place. He knows your name. He is all-powerful. That he's sending his spirit will baptize you in the, in the Holy Spirit. And when the spirit comes, it testifies to a deep internal love of the Father. My dad died at the end of October. I have his Aston Villa hat, which I proudly wear. It sparked some interesting conversations at the school gates, I can assure you. I have this kind of lumber jacket that Clarissa thinks makes me look a bit overweight, but I really, enjoy, I really like it. It has got a button missing. But there's something, and I've actually got his, I've got his little red fiesta outside. There is something that happens that when I kind of wear that stuff and I, I wear his jacket and I'm sitting in his car and I'm thinking, oh, this was my dad's. When the Holy Spirit fills us, he testifies to our spirits that we have an inheritance in our Father who loves us more than any earthly father. Who, who sheds abroad the love, the perfect love, which melts hearts, which changes lives, which calls us out of bitterness and darkness and addictions into life and freedom in the name of Jesus. And what happens is, Luke tells us, as the disciples gather, and as they're looking in the moments, the angels say, don't photograph it, Don't 
Don't put it in that IKEA frame. Put it on your mantelpiece. Because he has something for us to do. And he's with you in the most profoundly powerful, personal way. As you know, I'm a vicar, which means I get paid to work one day a week. So in the rest of the time, I have quite a lot of uh, time on my hands. And, um, and I listen to podcasts and things like that, because what honestly, it's hard to know how to fill the time. And do you know, sometimes when we hear about um, the state of the church in our nation and globally, particularly in the West, it can get all rather depressing, folks. You know, decline. Um, it can, you know, culture is challenging. Um, you, you know, my, my daughter lives in a very different world to mine. She's 12. When I was 12, I used to go cycling with my mate Jimmy on uh, my red racing bike. We had no phones. Um, we didn't worry about human sexuality. We didn't worry about gender identity. We didn't worry about any of that. We just got on with life. We were much freer in many ways. The wars, and could be another major war in the um, Middle East, which is hugely encouraging. Uh, and if you like right-wing cranks on the internet who tell you that Jesus is about to appear any time now, we're in the end times, just remember that what, 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 we're t- what Jesus uh, what the angels say to um, the disciples is that only the Lord knows the times. In fact, I remember being on a mission to Southport in 2006, and mate, I was about to get mar- married, and this fella pulled him on one side and said, I really think you need to cancel your wedding. He said, why that? He said, because Jesus is coming back in 2009. There's no point. Well, he ain't come back yet. There's a sense, isn't there, that the, the, it just feels so bleak at the moment post-pandemic, rising anxiety, mental health. It is bleak. It feels bleak. It's hard to stay encouraged, if I'm honest. And yet, as we step into the book of the Acts of Jesus, we'll see that there is nothing new under the sun. That in Jerusalem, it was tense. They were under occupation. It was violent. It was fearful. Yet Jesus gathers a group of men, uneducated, from north, and women who had no voice in that society. And he breathed his precious, powerful, life-giving Holy Spirit presence upon them. And they birthed something. They committed to mission, to proclaiming Jesus, to bear witness to him. The disciples asked him early on, uh, you know, oh, what's he going to do? What's his kingdom going to look like? Is it, is it going to be a sh-? Like the kind of questions they'd asked throughout Jesus' ministry, and yet he points to what it's looked like. It's going to be a kingdom that he's brought about by people on their knees. And he's going to be brought about by weak people, people who do not have it all together, people who have had terrible pasts but a glorious future, beginning to bear witness to the unchanging, life-giving, glorious Jesus Christ and committing to living in these little radical communities in homes, the only place in a city like Jerusalem that would have any sense of equality of black and white, Jew, Greek. Okay, Greeks kind of come later, but there's a sense in which the only place in any city where there is a level of freedom and togetherness and equality, and it is the taste and the foretaste of heaven. 
And it happens in a moment. There's a choice, a decision. Are you going to photograph that moment? Looking upwards in nostalgia at what was. Or step into the call of the Lord. Placing our vulnerabilities, our fears. Stepping into the freedom that the Lord Jesus Christ has won on the cross. Being transformed by his spirit. Becoming the church, the bride of Christ that he longs us to be. Not fearful. Not being discipled and conditioned by the culture. But being renewed by the transforming of our mind as we immerse ourselves in this book. And as we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And today as we start in this new series into 2024, I want us to think of what what are the things that we framed? What are they? What are those pictures? What is it? The Spirit will make it clear. And in our mantelpieces in our hearts, is it time to take them down? To break them? To walk in a place of freedom? And over the next weeks, we're going to track, we're going to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to our church in Sheffield in 2024? What can we learn from the first church for such a time as this? Let's stand together, shall we? And invite the band to come and join us.